People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. This is the Under the Visor podcast from the OU Insider Studios. Here's your host, Brandon Drum. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune and Colin Kennedy. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, it's been two weeks since we've been there, but you guys are going to have to excuse us because we've been not at home. I mean, literally out and about. Parker and I were in New Orleans. I've been in Dallas. Colin's been in Houston. I'm headed to Florida. It is just a wild, wild time for OU Insider. And we're going to break all that down, what we saw in person, the Under Armour camp, the stuff that Colin did down in Houston. He put on a fantastic offensive line and defensive line camp. Uh, Parker and I went down to a seven-on-seven battle camp in New Orleans, and then I was down in Dallas this past weekend, along with seeing five-star Amari Abor, uh, but I was there for the Pylon 7-on-7 in Prosper, Texas. Uh, Lots to talk about, lots of things that we've learned on the recruiting trail. Obviously, we're going to talk about basketball. Uh, Oklahoma lost yesterday to Gonzaga, but if we don't give it up to Austin Reeves, we are doing this podcast a horrible injustice that dude can play some ball and then we're going to finish out with the stuff you guys really want to hear about probably more than anything else and that is spring football football is back in norman and hey things are kind of getting to normal they're going to let people into the stands for the spring game and you have oklahoma state letting people (laughs) impressive press people do in-face interviews uh things are starting to roll back COVID be damned. We are going to get back to normal at some point in time. And hopefully that is soon, but guys, how are you guys doing? Oh, you know, I, you know, I, I think we should probably, I'll defer to Colin on that because Colin, I would love to hear about how the seven on seven or not the seven on seven, but the offensive line defensive line camp in Houston went, there was a whole lot of buzz on social media about all that. Oh man. It was, uh, it was quite the experience. It was a lot of fun camp organization and the player personnel world has always been kind of fascinating for me. And so assembling that was, it was a good time, especially finding guys who have been a little bit under the radar in the Houston area. And then as of yesterday, my phone exploded with coaches across the country, very interested in what was put together. So it was overall really good success. I'm excited to dive into it, man. But there were a couple of OU targets in attendance. There were a couple of guys who could be on the OU board moving forward. 
So it was overall really, really good. And I think we're now planning on doing another one here pretty soon in Dallas because of the early mm. feedback we received. So it was a great time, man. It's been a busy time for all of us, but I think in the end, it was just another great event to be a part of. That, that could really be something that you um, do. And I don't even know if that could be a side gig. I, I honestly think 247 could be a side gig for you at some point in time, to be honest <laughs> with you, if you start doing this whole camp thing and get really big at it, because eventually if it becomes popular enough, those, those type of things kind of hit, even that's across the nation. So uh, that'll be, that'll be quite interesting to uh, hear. I, I'm interested to hear who you thought was the, well, let's just do that. Actually. Let's, let's, let's hear who you have as the stars of the camp. And I, I don't want to say just stars, but let's keep it OU centric a little bit just because this yeah. is an OU podcast. But what are some guys that you think OU should go after? Number one, guys that they are going after. Number two, who are the best or who, who stood out to you? And can you kind of break down the recruiting process right now from things that you heard uh, while talking to those guys down in Houston? Yeah, for sure. So first off, to kind of lead with the OU guys that were there, I'll go with 2023 defensive lineman David Hicks Jr., mm. nicknamed DJ. He is a monster. I'm talking about a freaking ox down there in the trenches. Mm. And he was an ox. He's been hearing from – what? what's that? Yep. Yeah, he was an ox at the UA camp too. Oh, absolutely. And uh, he, he comes up – he's about six foot three, six foot four – a good 250 full of muscle and basically just bullying everybody up front. And for him to be a 2023 guy, really impressive. Still kind of learn how to use his hands and things like that. But at the same time, he's just going to continue to get better and better. And right now there's a real argument to be made for him being number one or number two in the state for the 2023 class. Basically, I, I put up an update yesterday, but he's been hearing a lot from Calvin Thibodeau. They've been in in frequent communication on zoom and things like that. And he said, he'd likely get out to Oklahoma at some point this summer, but it, 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 well, it is what it is, man. He was a really good player at that camp. And then going over to, to some other side of things when it comes to Oklahoma, another OU offer in attendance was Marshall Harris, an outside linebacker out of the woodlands who he's a really interesting story. And he comes from a very intriguing background He's really battled to get to this point. And then this past season, when he was really going to explode, he suffered a major collarbone injury that sidelined him basically for the entire year, which kind of hindered his recruitment and basically put this guy on the sidelines for a hot while. And it was really unfortunate, but it is what it is, man. He showed up to the camp and absolutely dominated. He was very impressive whenever he came and he's a fast, speedy guy. He can move his legs well, move his arms well. And I really liked what I saw from him. And Martrell is another guy who's been in frequent contact with the Oklahoma staff. In fact, Brian Odom has kind of started to pick up contact with him recently. And so it was really interesting to see him get out there because he's kind of a quieter guy. He doesn't do much on social media, but man, when he showed up, he showed out. So it was really great to see Martrell in attendance. Uh, finally, uh, just a couple of guys to monitor moving forward. Uh, I would say number one is Ashton Porter, a defensive lineman in the Houston area. This guy goes to Cy Ranch High School and can play literally all over the defensive front and plays it at a high level. He's about six foot four, 245 pounds, fast, great hips, bends well. Just really impressive player, man. And he's a great kid, too. I firmly believe he could probably play anywhere in the country. 
I've received a lot of feedback on him recently from, from various staffs. And so I think Porter is someone who's going to explode. And I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma was a team that threw its hat in the ring for his recruitment. Again, he's a 2023 guy. So he has a little bit of time to play out, but man, he has looked really good. And I like his positional versatility and mindset in his, uh, his corner. And then on the offensive line of things like Van Wells, he's a center. He might be the number two center in Texas behind Demetrius Hunter. He was the camp MVP. He was dominant, really good player. Oklahoma probably not going to get involved there, but there were a couple of linemen like Calvin Harvey, who's six, eight and 328 pounds that Oklahoma has kind of been monitoring among several other schools. Uh, Caden Siriaki was the other six, eight, 326 pound tackle who, Really good player, but has yet to really ever be in camps. That was his first camp setting ever outside of the Under Armour camp. And so a lot of young guys who are still kind of getting their their feet wet when it comes to these types of events that Oklahoma's kind of been monitoring. And so it was good to see some of the bigger names out there that Oklahoma's definitely in on. And good to see some guys who have been monitored by Power 5 schools really start to get into these types of things. And so overall, man, it was a, it was a fun day. That's awesome, man. I, I, the one thing about David Hicks that really stands out is, it did, have you seen his shoes? Shoes. Oh yeah. He man. wears a size 15 wide. He said, <laughs> "I just couldn't." It's like it is for nobody. Like he's what six three, six four. So when you get a six three, six foot four human being, and you look down at those shoes and those cleats, and they look like Shaq's feet. You're oh. just kind of, it's kind of an awe. I walked up to him one day. I go, hey, bro, what was that shoe do you wear? And he goes, 15 wide, man. I have to special order my shoes. I said, that sucks. You know, it's just it's brutal, he, man. He's going to be tall and he's going to be, I, I think he's going to grow another couple of inches, which I think, you know, uh, he kind of fits that, helps him fit the mold as a, like a, an excellent defensive end, honestly, uh, if he can stretch out his his width a little bit because he does look like he's going to grow a couple more inches. He is already built like a dude though. I mean, the guy is, he's yoked out pretty well. So uh, he's, and he's a coach's kid too, right? He's a coach's kid, correct? Yeah, absolutely. His, his father played at Grambling state was a standout there. I believe had about a year or two in the NFL. And so he, he's been around the game for a long time and you're absolutely right. He's got a chance to sprout a little bit. And he brought up to me that Oklahoma was kind of looking at him as a three tech lineman which i think is really interesting but i wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about this guy as maybe about a six foot five defensive lineman who can play tackle or end and just the way he's built already man you have no idea how this guy's gonna fill out so i'm excited about his future man he's a really good player and he's only tapping the potential of what his future surface is uh, so if you had to venture on how okay of the guys you saw, mm-hmm. who is the most likely to end up in this with the Sooners in 2022 and 2023 guys that you guys worked with that day? Yeah, I, I would say in 2022, uh, I would look at Martrell Harris. I found it really interesting. So kind of some of the feedback that I've got is that Mississippi State is probably the team that's been hitting the ground the hardest there in Martrell's recruitment. To be understood, right? But he did say that Oklahoma was in a lot of contact with him. And he did say that Oklahoma has kind of projected him as just a versatile linebacker. And that was something that he's really intrigued by. And so honestly, with the con- the communication that's being built there by Brian Odom and the, the defensive staff, I think Martrell Harris, if Oklahoma really hit the gas, like that's a linebacker who could really be in the mix for OU. And then 2023, it's tough to say, cause there aren't very many offers out there. Another guy who was there is Dylan Spencer 
He is now at CE King High School after being at Katie Taylor beforehand and then West Orange Stark. He has a couple of offers like Texas, Texas A&M. I don't think Oklahoma's in the mix there just yet, but he's someone that OU could go after as a tall, lanky, well-built edge, defensive end kind of guy. But I'm going to tell you, man, if, if Oklahoma really hit the gas on a guy like Ashton Porter, I think it would be really interesting. And I, I think that guy has a really high ceiling. So there are a number of 2023 guys. Again, there was probably one, maybe two guys that Oklahoma has an offer on in the 23 class specifically in attendance. And obviously, DJ Hicks is going to be someone they target moving forward. But guys like Dylan Spencer or an Ashton Porter, some of those big names in that class. Another interesting one, too, that I'll bring up is Dylan Rogers, the inside linebacker in 2023. He only has one offer right now. But the early feedback I've received is he's going to get a bunch here pretty soon. So he's an inside guy that Oklahoma could go after in that cycle. So a couple of intriguing options when it comes to that class. So uh, that that's great that uh, the Houston area has been kind of hard for you to get into. I mean, like it, there's sometimes they, there's the, uh, what was it? 2019. I think they had a couple of guys, you wake boo. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who all came from the Houston area. There was a couple of dudes, I think in 2019. Um, but for the most part they're they get what one or two every year. Uh, it's not look, Oh, you fans need to understand this is not going to be, they're never going to be A&M. They're never going to be Texas. They're never going to be LSU with the Houston group. I mean, it's just facts, right? Right. But uh, you also have to remember too, is like come from the Houston area, CD lamb, Kenneth Murray, right, right. Huge names. And so when you hit on those guys in the Houston area, as talent ridden as it is, you're going to get some dudes. And so I just think Oklahoma is starting to expand its footprint in the region. And it's, Honestly, one of the most difficult regions to get into if we're talking about it. Houston just has so many various influences, not just right. in college football, but just in the world. And so as Oklahoma kind of gains a bigger traction in that area, I think they're really going to start to hit on a couple of guys and they have in the past. So it's definitely a region that Oklahoma has to continue to target. And again, they're still kind of monitoring the area. And so that's why camps like these, not just for like an OU, but for several programs across the country are really interesting because you brought it up. There's so many talented players, but there's also just not much going on in Houston. I mean, there's just very few events when you compare it to like a Dallas. Right. So it was great to give these guys opportunities because you could tell when we got there that a lot of them, like a Kavon Wright at Manbell, who has like eight to 10 offers, he hadn't done any camps the entire off season. And so it's just another opportunity for guys like, to get their faces and names out there in front of an OU. And so I think mm-hmm. you'll start to see some more dominoes fall there. And we say that and they've already got, you know, pancake, uh, committed yeah. to them. Uh, and you know, you brought up Manville and Oklahoma is the leader for Justin Medlock. So the inside linebacker, uh, out of the, uh, Manville area, uh, which we'll touch on, when we get to UA stuff here in just a minute, I don't want to bury the lead there too, too much here. Uh, but let, let's let uh, Parker, you and I, you know, traveled down to new Orleans, uh, as well. There, that was quite the experience. Uh, I have to tell you the, uh, the French quarter is a little different. Uh, Parker and I learned that <laughs> the hard way, <laughs> even, even during a pandemic. It's, it's wild. I mean, it is wild. Yeah. We went to go try to find some food, but we realized that what we could find more than anything else was it, what was it? The, uh, 
It was like the tall margarita glasses, right? Like the the mixers. Was that that was like the daiquiris, right? It was the daiquiris, right? The, the daiquiris, yeah. It was oh like every God. single. It was all pizza and daiquiris. That's yes. what we were marking on. Was the fact that it seemed like every other establishment on that street was either a pizza parlor or a daiquiri place. And for those that think that Mardi Gras is the only time beads are a thing, spring break beads <laughs> are a thing. We learned oh, that beads are a thing. We, we walked right between, had no idea. We're like walking straight ahead. Literally. We're, what were you? We were talking about something and we're just walking and the music gets real loud. And all of a sudden these girls just woo. And these beats start flying everywhere. We're like, what in the world just happened? But we actually didn't get to see it. Thank God. Because we were like, uh, I guess we had walked. They were to our left. I do know that because their back was, their backs were to us. So that was good. But then you had dudes flashing their chests for beads up at the women on the balconies and everybody was drunk. Colin or Parker and I were the only ones with masks. It was kind of a, it was different. It was very different, but I will say like, if you were there to have fun and party, it is, it looks like a pretty hopping place. I mean, I've been there during a bowl before, but I've never been like during non bowl activities bowl activities are always funny because you get to see the the two fans become kids again the the grown adults but i feel like everybody becomes a kid again on bourbon street to a certain extent yeah the food was good though we had some good crocodile Um, food was fantastic yeah the place what was the place we went to what was that place called oh gosh i can't remember off the top of my head something grill right yeah it was seafood grill or something like that yeah, it was something very classic New Orleans. I'll have to look back at the pictures I got from the trip. That'll tell me. But uh, no, they, uh, I mean, all the food that we ate down in New Orleans hit the spot. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever had gumbo before, but oh. had some pretty fantastic gumbo down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I, I am, uh, Parker knows this, but I am a diehard NCIS New Orleans guy. So we had to go see like where they were. I had he, poor Parker. I'm like, dude, I've got to go see this stuff. Brandon was in his bag <laughs> yes, going full fanboy mode. <laughs> I think I remember the text and I can already tell he was chomping at the bit to get out there. And see yes, I was. <laughs> I, I so wanted to go see it. And we, we were successful in a lot of that. Those cases we got to see the, where they recorded and all that stuff. So it was pretty cool. Good stuff. Um, so anyways, we went to a seven on seven battle seven on seven you know what stood out most to me was the younger crowd, to be honest with you. The younger crowd and Parker, you can dive into this and just go full-fledged and, and talk it up as much as you want here. Uh, but for me, there was a couple of the SFE group that was really talented uh, that we got to know pretty good. Um, and then there was a group from Texas uh, that was really good. They were younger. I think it was Texas Elite. Maybe the Texas Elite. Yeah, they were good. They had a couple of guys uh, that were coming up. And then, oh my gosh, what was the other? There was a... Bootleggers were out there, I assume. Bootleggers were out there. We can discuss that. uh, But that that kind of information's changed a little since we've talked to Jacoby Matthews. But uh, Makes sense. (laughs) uh, It's Jacoby. So that totally makes sense. Um, But Parker, you dive into it. 
go as much detail as you want to about the, the what stood out to you. Uh, we obviously stopped by and saw Lonzel, um, Dubose. Lorenzo DeBose. Lorenzo DeBose. Lorenzo DeBose as well. I always call him Lonzo for some Lorenzo DeBose as well. And then we, uh, you, you talked to uh, Jalen Hill pretty extensively as well. So go as much detail as you want into that. And uh, I, I, cause I think Oklahoma fans are going to really like to hear that because there's, there's a lot of good Oklahoma talk there. Yeah. Well, Brandon, I think it's real easy to forget too. On the way down to new Orleans, we stopped in Texarkana oh, yeah, and talked to yeah, Derek yeah, Brown Derek as Brown, well. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not long after that, I issued a high confidence crystal ball projecting that he lands with Oklahoma. So we'll see what happens there. But no, I think my biggest takeaway from New Orleans, uh, at least as it pertains to OU, is my goodness, Jacoby Matthews just looks like a man among boys. I mean, that is a grown man out there on the football field. That is a dude that could walk out at the safety position at the FBS level right now and dominate. And obviously, OU is just one of several teams in the running for him. Uh, he was really the only guy there outside of Kamari Rogers uh, that OU has any significant interest in. Uh, but you look at you look at Matthews. He's probably the one guy at that camp that Oklahoma has a legitimate shot at landing. I talked to Rogers pretty extensively, uh, as I mentioned on the board at the time. I think it's going to be either Notre Dame or Miami for him, unless one of those in-state schools, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, can make a run. He is a Mississippi kid, but. It doesn't look like to me, at least, that Oklahoma is going to make a serious push for Kamari Rogers. I do know for a fact Notre Dame really, really wants him, and they have made him a priority with new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman up there. But as far as Matthews is concerned, I mean, you talk to him, Brandon, and you just get the sense that uh, his recruitment isn't really anywhere close to wrapping up. There's still a lot to be decided in that race. So uh, although Oklahoma appeared to have good odds at the time. Uh, you don't know, obviously, how things shift week to week, month to month. So that'll be an interesting one to follow. I mean, that's a five-star guy. That's the top prospect right. in the state of Louisiana. So that would be a big addition for Oklahoma, especially given that in that 2022 class right now, they still only have one defensive commit in Kobe McKenzie. Everybody else is offensive. So it's about time that they start racking up those dudes on the defensive side of the football and Jacoby Matthews, obviously one of the guys high on that priority list. And you mentioned the younger crowd. Uh, there were some 2024 kids. I got the chance to chat with a couple of those SFE wide receivers, Jojo trader, Jeremiah Smith, 2024 kids with a lot of upside. Both of them already have power five offers. And uh, I would be surprised if pro a program like Oklahoma wasn't in the mix for one or both of those guys uh, in the next few months here. Yeah, no, uh, the, the Lorenzo DeBose is the guy that, you know, when he talked about Mississippi State being a good, uh, one of the major guys for him, major players for him. Uh, he, you know, and I text him after the Under Armour camp as well. And, you know, Oklahoma's still, still in the running, still pushing hard. He hasn't set up like, um, I, I, if he doesn't show up for the champion barbecue, I'll be shocked which is something we probably need to touch on. Honestly, um, they've got the date tentatively set for June 11th through the 13th. Um, and right now there is some pretty big names being tossed around for the champion barbecue. Uh, we'll touch on that here in just a minute, but yeah, like you said with Jacoby Matthews, the five stars, anytime you're going against a five star that is nationally renowned, things change almost daily. Cause at one point, 
it did seem like Oklahoma was in the top three there for him. It literally, it was like Texas. Um, what was it? The, the, the schools that, what, what were the schools we thought were like in the top three, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas and uh, Texas A&M is who we thought were the top three for him. Or was it Florida state? Was it Florida state? I believe it was Texas A&M. I could Texas be wrong. A&M. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But, but the funny thing is, is LSU. Oh, Florida. It was Florida. It was Florida. Florida was number one, Texas, number two. And we thought Oklahoma was in the top three there for a bit. Obviously that has changed. You know, the funny thing is, is like during, I have it like literally on video where he goes, I tried to commit to Florida and they told me no, because they didn't have the defensive back coach. They didn't have it even. So they turned him down, which when that got over to the Florida board, can you imagine what Blake Hollerman had to deal with? He called me. He's like, dude, this was just, Oh, it was epic meltdown because he asked me, uh, it was funny because he goes, Hey, do you have this on video? And I said, yes, I sent him the video and he's like, Oh my God, the Florida fans are going to go berserk because it was just one of those deals. When he said it, my eyes lit up. I was like, Oh no, I will. Cause Parker, we talked about it, whether I was going to post that because I didn't want to meltdown to happen. So I waited and posted that in the comments, like page two of the comments to get it buried. So, and they still found it. They still found it and melted down. Poor guy. Everything on the ether, people are going to dig up, Brandon. They if you are. put it out there, somebody's going to go and find it. It was crazy, man. They were they were not very happy. But I still think Florida's in a good spot. I think Florida's in a really good spot for him. I think Texas is in a really good spot for him. And basically because he plays with Bryce Anderson with bootleggers. Um, so that, that he's in his ear all the time. Um, obviously, Texas... Bryce Anderson, uh, you got BJ Allen in his ear as well. They're good friends. Uh, things are just looking really good for Texas for uh, Jacoby Matthews to me. And obviously, like you said, we stopped by and saw Derek Brown on the way in. Derek Brown is long. And Colin, we got to see him in action at the Under Armour camp. And his first step might be as quick as you can get, man. I mean, it is fast. So he doesn't have, he weighs 215, he says right now. He's about 6'4, 215. Um, has to put on some weight, but you can tell the frame's there to put on weight. He's not as wide as Clayton uh, was as far as being able to put weight on, but he's going to be, he's going, to, he's going to be a Benito type of guy. He's going to be 230, 240 when all things are said and done. He's not going to be the biggest guy but he's going to have that first step like Benito where it's almost, it's damn near impossible to stop literally. And so it, it, I, I love Derek Brown. I think the crystal ball picks for him is great. Uh, Clayton Smith is in his ear all the time. When he talks to coach Kane, he says he always talks to Clayton at the same time. Uh, so they're doing, Oklahoma's doing a fantastic job recruiting him and he's coming up for the champion barbecue and his official visit he says is for the Nebraska game on September 18th. So, Hey, the Nebraska game is happening. It is happening. They tried to, uh, you know what out, um, that was, that was a fun little saga for about six or seven hours there. My goodness. And nobody covered it like Parker because Parker is from Nebraska and he took that 
personal. I'm telling you, Parker took that personal. He was like, yeah, you don't mess with my OU Nebraska matchup, Brandon. I tell you what, I've been looking forward to that for a decade. Like hell no over it all over it, man, all over it. He posted like three different updates. And finally, Oh, you came out. It's like, it's happening. And then Nebraska, like five hours later, put out something like, all right, I guess the, the backlash was too hard. We have to go get our asses kicked in Norman on September 18th. We can't back out of this one, but I thought they could go. They were going to play anybody, no matter whether it was in Ubekistan or, uh, you know, that, that was the quote, right? Ubekistan. He used the actual country of Ubekistan as where they would go play if they were going to play somebody tough. It didn't matter. Alabama, Clemson, anywhere in Ubekistan, but not Oklahoma. Yeah, that, was, that was seven months ago, Brandon. That was before Frost was squarely on the hot seat. This is true. He needs a six. I mean, I, I understand where the dude is coming from. Like yeah. you got to do what you can to keep your job. I'm sorry. You can't but... bitch out though. I'm going to say it. I, I, I held back. <laughs> you can't bitch out like that. You can't, you just can't. It's, it's one of those deals where you look pathetic when you do that. And it, I honestly tell me if I'm wrong on this guys and Parker, you'll, you'll know this more than anybody. Cause you're from Nebraska. Is it because of, and we totally digress, by the way, of what we were just talking about, but that's what happens on this podcast sometimes. Uh, is it because the they're, they're, they're celebrating the 1971 and the 87 or 86, whatever it was, for the Game of the Century 2? Both Game of Centuries, more so the, the Game of the Century 1 because it's 50 anniversary. Is it because they're celebrating those and the fact that they played in those games and one program is still at that elite status. And the other one is not that Nebraska is like, Ooh, this is embarrassing. Like we were this and now we're this, or we were that. And then we are now we're this. And you can't, is that why they're trying to, to back out of it because they aren't on that level and Oklahoma still is. I, I mean, you have to imagine that's the logical conclusion because I mean, it was reported and I did some work to corroborate this, that Nebraska was in contact immediately with schools from the Mac and old dominion to try and schedule oh a home date in Lincoln. Gosh. So they were already in talks to try and schedule a cupcake over that Oklahoma game in Norman. So yeah, Nebraska was full tilt. They were like, you know what, whatever we can do to not play this game, let's go ahead and do it. And frost was the one running points on it from everything I heard up there. And you no, know, I, I talked to multiple people real close to the program and f- literally everything that I heard from them indicated that a first off local media in Nebraska was shocked by that. They had no idea that was coming because apparently Oklahoma got the word out about it. Like oh, they the word, it. the word oh, yeah. came oh, from Oklahoma, it. which makes a lot of sense because I mean, if you're Joe C right. And uh, who even is the athletic director in Nebraska? Bill Moose. If Bill Moose calls you up and said, Hey, can we talk about moving the game? And it's the 50 year anniversary of the game of the century. And yes. you got them coming down to Norman and you're renewing a rivalry. That's been dead for 10 years. What is your first reaction? Hell no. I'm like, hang on. Let me, let me put the phone down and get McMurphy on the other line. Or how about this? How about, Hey, 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 Hey Moose. Tell me what this sounds like. Click. <laughs> <laughs> and then get McMurphy on the line and leak that dude. He went, the thing is Brandon, he went Sopranos on him, dude. He was like, Nope, you're not doing that to us. Well, and the thing about it, Brandon is that now 
That's that's going to be the dominant storyline when this game is played in Norman. That's the only thing we're going to be talking about all week is, oh, this is oh. the game that Nebraska tried not to play. Oh, and you know, you know, Lincoln and those OU players are going to try to make it living hell for them. That sweep Saturday the leg, Oh, yeah. Sweep the leg. <laughs> it is going to be nasty. And I, you remember, I, I can remember this. I don't know. You guys are too young. In 1997, 1997, I went to the home game between OU and Nebraska. Nebraska gets up 72 or 60 something to whatever. And DeMond Parker finally goes off in the fourth quarter, has like a hundred and something yards in the fourth quarter against Nebraska's third string. And Oklahoma scores like 21 or 28 points. I don't remember the final score completely. I just know that it was bad. Nebraska ran that up. I mean, ran it up on Oklahoma. And then they did so the very next year in uh, Lincoln, like 69 to eight or three or some bull crap, 69 to six or something. I don't know if y'all remember all that. Um, but have uh, my point is, is that this is going to be something along those lines, but Oklahoma is going to be doing that to them. It's going to be what Oklahoma did to Nebraska the final few years outside that big 12 tournament game in 2010, where they laid 50, 60 points on them. It's going to be the reincarnation of that all over again. And it's nothing. There is nothing Scott Frost in Nebraska can do about it because they poked the bear. They poked the bear. They, they, they created this Oklahoma probably wasn't going to go all out and bury them in week three. Had they not done this? Am, am I wrong on this? Well, no, not at all. Especially, I mean, that earlier at that early in the season, you're start trying to get a feel for who you have at your disposal, how your uh, depth chart is going to shape up, and you're trying to make sure guys don't get injured earlier in the season. It's a Rattlers no, playing in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they're going to empty the chamber. And shoot, even like here's the thing. Here's the thing about playing a program like Nebraska. Even if Spencer Rattler doesn't play the fourth quarter, they're still going to run up the score because oh, that's how Taylor. dire <laughs> the straits are for Nebraska at this point in time. Keep in mind, Nebraska over the course of the Scott Frost era has lost to programs such as Troy and Northern Illinois. They are in no place to even remotely attempt to compete with Oklahoma right now. No. And, and here's the funny thing. Like we said, Oh, Spencer will be playing for, they doesn't matter. They have somebody Spencer's equal as the other guy. If not, who might end up being better than Spencer Rattler when his career is over and Caleb Williams. Like I know he hasn't ever played a down or anything, but Everything you hear coming out of Norman right now is that is a dude. I mean, a dude, and he is he is performing very, very well right now behind the scenes, and and already has picked up the offense because he spends so much time uh, watching film whenever he gets the chance to do so. Uh, so I, it's I, I hate to I hate to say it, but when they when they meet up again, I think it's going to be Caleb's junior year would be it. In Lincoln, I don't think it's. It would be his sophomore year. I think it's just it's back to back years. They're exactly. here in. I thought I thought they took a year off. Do they not? I don't believe so. But yeah, if I remember correctly, they're here in 2021, and then in Lincoln in 2022. But no, as far as this year is concerned, I don't care what the line is on September 18th. Give me the over. I've got it. I'm looking it up right now. Future 
future schedules. Here we go. So basically, what we're saying at the end of all this is it maybe is twenty twenty two. Oh my! So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott Frost, they're going to do the same thing to him in twenty twenty. You're right, Parker. It's twenty twenty two. I thought they took a. I honestly thought that Georgia was twenty twenty two. I thought they 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 had Georgia twenty twenty two, and then they went at home, and then they went to Nebraska. But yeah, it's back to back. It's Georgia that they take the 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 years off uh, before they play them again. So, um, yeah, man, that's going to be nasty. Um, guys, we, we've, we were also at the Under Armour camp. I know I'm going to switch back over to recruiting real quick. We, we mm-hmm. totally sidetracked there. Um, but what was part or Colin, what was your biggest takeaway from that camp as far as OU targets go? I bet mine's the same one as yours, but go ahead. Wow. Okay. Uh, there are a lot. Let's see here. Who was the best player there? Man. I think OU targets commits. I think Terrence Brooks stole the day. He was ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He he was really good. I would agree. I'm going to go with Talon Chetron. Yeah. I I think that was going to be your guy, but I was, I'm going to go to the flip side of this and Terrence Brooks. Yeah. Go for it. Hey, hey, Man, he, explain, I, explain, explain, go for it. Like, so for those of you who don't know who Terrence Brooks is, I'm, I'm going to have an update on him. If not today, tomorrow, Terrence Brooks is a cornerback at John Paul to high school in Plano. And he is ridiculous. Now, when he came into the camp, he probably wasn't as well known as he should be, but he did not lose a single rep from what I remember. And he went up some against some of the biggest names at that camp and basically shut him down. Like it looked easy at times and he's built well, he's tall, he's lanky. He already looks like a division one caliber cornerback. And then he goes up against some stars at the receiver position and shuts him down completely with everyone watching. So he was one of Steve Wilt Fong's favorites. Fong and I were standing there like, good Lord, look at Terrence Brooks just going to town and he did it for good reason, man. And I think Oklahoma has been after him pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'll have that conversation here pretty soon, but Terrence Brooks was maybe my favorite player to watch on the day. Yeah. I, I thought he was good. I thought, uh, Taviano was really good. Uh, 2023 okay, DB. Yeah. Javon Taviano. Um, I thought he was really good from the defensive back perspective. Um, trying to think, Oh, I thought, um, uh, Parker's boy Jared Kerr was really good. Um, um, trying to think who else I thought was really good. Uh, offensively. I just thought Talon Shetra was oh my god. Um, so I'm talking to uh, um, trying to think. Um, dang, his last name starts with a D, and I just went blank. Now this is what happens when you have so many targets. Defensive back 2023 plays on. Uh, Texas Flex. Last name is D. Yeah. Dim Dim uh, Daniel Demery. 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 Daniel Demery. He's listed as a wide receiver on our side. That's why I always get him so confused sometimes. He doesn't have an OU offer yet. Uh, but I think he's gonna be like an in-the-box guy, like a nickel guy. His his trunk is just huge, huge. Um, gonna lot add a lot, quite a bit of weight. Uh, I'm sure you agree with that. Um, but I was talking to him and I asked him who the best player he went up against. He goes, Talon Chetron. 
<laughs> it's just totally because and then he talked about it. He's like, man, he had me on skates, bro. When he had the when he ran that route, like just admitted it. So uh, I, you know, it was just one of those deals where Talon just it, it, and I don't know who the other guy he abused was, but he went up in the corner of the end zone on one of the passes he caught. And you saw that on video, right? Where he just contorted his body. Oh my God. It like, it looked like he hung up there for like 10 seconds to go grab the ball. And he's, he, he's just something else. Uh, 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 we're talking about Steve Wolfong. He, he and I kind of looked over at you and I was like, wow. Just like, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Like that guy he's, and you know, he's not going to test. He's like kind of like CD at a young age where he's not going to test well because he doesn't know how to do it. But when he gets out there, you know he's fast. I mean, you can see it. He may go run a four seven, but he's probably really a four five guy because he doesn't know how to test. He doesn't know how to, you know, get out of the blocks on a forty and stuff like that. Those are those are important things to know when you're when you're running a forty, those type of stuff. And he doesn't understand any of that. He doesn't understand how to do the shuttles and stuff like that. That's just not who he is but you get him on a football field and he's faster than everybody else. And I think that's, that's kind of the key. He plays fast. Very that's, fast. I mean, that's the first thing I thought when I watched him in person for the very first time, Brian, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm looking at baby CD lamb here yes. because yeah, he's not the type of guy that's going to put up insane testing numbers, but you can just tell by the way that he commands himself on the football field and all the physical tools that he displays on any given snap, you just know, okay, that's a dude that's going to be really, really successful, not mm -hmm. just at the collegiate level, but at the professional level. I've said well, before, I think, I think Talon Chetron is one of the top five wide receivers in this 2022 class. I would venture to say top three. I, I would agree after what I witnessed the other day, because there was some really good wide receivers there and he kind of shined over everybody else. And I think that was kind of calling. That was kind of the consensus. We were talking about that. It was you, me and Mike Roach when we were walking away and I asked you guys, where do y'all think that guy's ranked? And we all kind of were like, he's 50 between, you know, what do we all say? We, we all agreed like he was 30 between 30 and hundred 30 and 75, like as yeah. far as rankings go. Yeah. I mean, but you're splitting hairs at that point. Right. I mean, once you get in the top, 100 everybody's kind of splitting here is it's just a number that's what people don't understand like these are just numbers at this point until you get to the five-star guys and i think talent has a chance to be a five-star when it's all said and done he needs a fantastic senior year but he has that ability he has that ability and he has something that we cherish uh on 247 and he's a really good basketball player and if you're really good at two sports we kind of cherish that. We kind of, we use that as a reason to pump you up a little higher because you show that your athleticism is able to go between multiple sports. You're not just a solely focused one person, uh, just a football player. Your athletic, your athleticism is just across the board. Um, and like you were saying, Parker, the guy is a hard worker. That's the other thing about him. He's a hard worker. I saw it all last summer. He trains with my son, my oldest up there at uh, Daryl Knight's Oklahoma Sports Performance in Edmond. And he's in there every day at 8.30 in the morning just busting his hump. And, and you want to know the funny thing is, is his brother is very talented as well. And you're starting to see that as the offers are starting to roll roll in for uh, Tabray. So uh, I think that's just huge for him and his brother. Uh, you know, the first thing that crossed my mind was, 
I mean, does he go to K-State to follow his brother? If that's where his brother goes, I don't think he does. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, I don't think so either, but I'm just saying it was just, you know, that's going to cross your mind. They're twins. So, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's just one of those deals. Um, the, uh, the other guy that stood out to me, uh, Oklahoma wise and okay. Preps wise was Luke has, I thought Luke has, he's, he's going to be the top tight end in the 2023 class. I don't think it's, I don't even think that's debatable at this point. Do you Colin Parker? I I don't think so because I just don't know who else you would put there. I mean, number one, the guy is what six foot four and projects to be well over 220 pounds. Yeah. I believe he's like, he's two Oh (laughs) five. Exactly. Like I believe the other contender is Jaden Greathouse out of Austin Westlake. And I've seen both of them, and I would take Luke, if not ten times out of ten, nine. I mean, he's right. just he just projects as a future star at the tight end position. He has every tool that you want at that position specifically, and I think he's also just a gar- a great kid. He's willing to do whatever it takes. And there was one point too. I think my favorite m- memory of him at that camp. I believe you remember this too. He's running down the sideline on basically just a go route, and he gets basically shoved right into the railing. He, on the he lands at you and I's feet. Literally. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, right in the like railing. He got basically tossed into some rails, and we're, everyone at the camp just stops and is like, this could be pretty bad. And he basically shot right up, gave himself a couple of shakeoffs, and then was back in line. It's like, mm-hmm. this dude's different. This dude is different. Well, he, and consider this legitimately is there a hotter commodity right now in the recruiting world than Luke has my Maybe gosh Chris it's like McClellan. every single day every single day he's picking up a new high-end power five offer everybody across the country wants this guy and yeah. with good reason you see what he's able to do not just on tape uh, but in the camps that we've attended Brandon and Colin and I, it's like every time I look at my phone, there's a Twitter notification from you or Luke or his dad saying, Oh, look at that. Another offer for Luke has. Yeah. I mean, the other guy, ironically, that could rival him as far as being one of the hottest players in the country is another guy that was at the Under Armour camp and just completely blew everybody away as far as what he was able to do on the defensive line. And that was, uh, Awaso defensive lineman, Chris McClellan. Oh mm. uh, my gosh. He is going to be a superstar and look, lo and behold, Oklahoma offered him now. So I've been trying to pump that for the last two years. And finally, finally it came around. I mean, I talked to his dad for a good hour prior. I think you were over there with Mike Roach calling. And I was over there talking to uh, Chris McClellan's dad for a good hour and before we were able to start doing things before it started raining on us. Um, yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, that they, I'm trying to think of the word. So he's really close with uh, Garrick McGee, who is one of the offensive analysts for Florida uh, and has done some really good work uh, on McClellan, getting McClellan down there to set up a visit, official visit, to Florida on June 4th. And now, you know, when I talk to Gentry Williams, Gentry is going to go, him and Chris are going to visit the same places. So they're going June 4th to Florida. They got June 18th to USC. Both of them are going together. Um, they're both from the Tulsa area. They grew up together. They're friends. Um, they're just really, really 
uh, trying to go through this process as much as they can together. So Oklahoma offering Chris, Chris McClellan was huge in that aspect because Gentry is going to be at the champion barbecue on uh, June 11th. And, you know, there was, there was buzz that it was going to change potentially because Texas, Texas and Texas and were doing it. And that future 50 camp was going on at the same time. The good news is it doesn't sound like it sounds like there's going to be two champion barbecues. They're going to continue with the one that they do the final weekend in July every year, but they're also going to hold that one on June 11th. And it sounds like that's when Gentry put it to me like this. This is what he said. He goes, dude, I'm going to go down there. It's going to be like, I'm taking two officials to Oklahoma. And this is how he has it planned out right now, because he's going, he's right now he's tentatively scheduled to go to Nebraska for his official visit on September 18th. That's what they're talking to him about. He hasn't scheduled it, scheduled it, but that's where he's going. Hence where he thinks he's going to end up in Norman uh, for his official visit, but he's going to go down and stay in Norman for three days and hang out. And it sounds like him and Chris McClellan might come down together and spend three days in Norman, hang out during the champion barbecue weekend with all the other uh, visitors and commits that are there. So this could be huge for Oklahoma, huge because I, Chris McClellan's dad basically told me if they didn't offer by the end of April, beginning of May, Oklahoma wasn't even going to get a chance because they're trying to get this thing over with by October. That's when Chris McClellan wants his, the, the defensive lineman out of Owasso. That's when he wants it done. And they're going to have a problem because Florida's built themselves up a pretty good lead. USC's done a fantastic job and USC's done a really good job with Gentry. I mean, I can't tell you every time I talk to Gentry, it's USC, USC, USC. No, granted, he'll 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 admit he'll be like, look, OU is my leader, but USC, man, it's hard for him to pass that up because he has such a strong relationship with Dante Williams, their de- their defense defensive back coach. So this 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 champion barbecue, if Oklahoma can get those two down, it's huge because I think that can solve a lot of problems. They're going to be able to get these guys down in person, be able to spend time with them in person. And you know how Oklahoma and Riley is when they get them in person, you know, eight times out of 10, they end up committing to Oklahoma. So um, no matter who you are, it's just how it is. Uh, That's going to be big for Oklahoma. They've got to get those. I think those two are the most important recruits in a long time for Oklahoma, as far as state goes. Now, now, though, I I, I want to preface this by saying, I'm not saying that Talon Chetron isn't big or Jacob Sexton's not big because they are. They're huge, right? It's just I think that or, or Jaden Rowe, you know, I think those those five obviously are massive, but I just think to stem the tide in how things have gone in Tulsa for Oklahoma in the past couple of years, especially on the defensive backside, you've got to land Gentry Williams. You cannot have another Josh Proctor incident where a legacy gets out. Right. And I think the other part of this too, is not only the fact that, okay, they're both defensive players who are high profile guys within your state borders, who everyone across the country wants. But I mean, I'm also really fascinated by the other aspect of this is... Hey, hold on, hold on. Breaking news here. <laughs> here we go. Ironically, I just get a text from a... I, and I didn't send the text out. They text me. A parent of an OU commit just texted and said, I assume you know the barbecue is on June 19th. And I said it got moved 
So they were talking about moving it. They decided not to. Now it sounds like they may have. Which, so, speaking of which, is the other part of this I was going to bring up. It's like, I that there's everything going on down that same exact weekend. I mean. But why screw up your chances with two of the top end state guys? Well, I don't think they're necessarily worried about that. If they have an opportunity to get those two guys in town, I think they'll make it work. Especially the other part of this too, is if they go ahead and do two of them this summer, which makes still a lot of sense because again, we've been away from opportunities like this for so long, but I mean, you look at this, if you have the opportunity to get some dominoes like that fall, when Texas A&M is going to have basically every big name in the state under the sun on campus, that same weekend, Texas is trying to do a very similar event around that same time frame, like Oklahoma better be ready to get some dominoes to fall or some momentum could kind of get lost in the mix as some regional rivals, especially on the recruiting trail, try to make their events just as noteworthy, if not more so. So I'm fascinated by this timeline we're about to see because as we get into June and we get into the time frame where prospects can go where they want to, the battles that are going to take place with events like these they're going to be fascinating to watch the, not just the timing of it, but who goes where and why. I mean, friendly reminder, like basically every spring game in the region, including Oklahoma, Texas and Texas A&M is happening on like the 24th. So right. here we go. I mean, this is it. Like this is where we got to start seeing who, who decides to go where for these types of things. And it's going to be something that you have to keep track of as these storylines unfold. Uh, you know what I'm going to be interested in is if, the NCAA comes out on April 15th. We're right before April 15th and says like a week or so prior and says, we're just going to open up on April 15th. We're not going to do the May 31st thing. I think it, I, there, there's, there's, it, it's, it's a small chance, but it looks like, you know, they're, they're talking about things right now as far as opening back up, you know, they, they're saying for sure June 1st, it's a, you know, it's done at this point. Like that's how things are going to go. And they haven't officially said it, but it's basically known that's where it's going to be. The way things are moving and with everything in March being like everybody getting the vaccine can go get the vaccine now. Like everybody, like in Texas, Oklahoma, it's all open, right? Anybody can go get a vaccine now. You can just walk in and go get a vaccine. You don't have to have an appointment or anything now. I think that could be something that you know, it, it really does help um, if they could do that because there's so many spring games on April 24th. Yeah. Because they're traveling anyways. The NCA not allowing them to do so and go to these spring games as on unofficial and official visits at this, this point is stupid. It is just stupid. And they're going to go anyways. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're going to go anyway. So what are you doing NCA? Just open it up. I mean, the, the number of tweets we've already seen, like, Hey, I'm not officially visiting the spring. I'm going to the spring game. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, I'm not officially going, but I'm going, okay. Like just let these kids go, man. Especially at the rate that we're starting to turn things around. I get it. But at the same time, just, just let it, let it go. Like let these kids go. Yeah, no, I, and I'm sitting here texting back and forth with this guy and yeah, they, they, they didn't officially make it June 11th through the 13th. They said, um, 
but they, it is now June 19th is the champion barbecue. You heard it here on the OU Insider of the Advisor podcast. Sooners pod, breaking news. Yep. Get that old style when the breaking news breaks in on the TV. So let's break down real quick. Let's do, before we go to basketball and close this thing out and do spring ball real quick, who do you all think is the next commit for Oklahoma? Mm. One guy. You guys all get one guy. One guy. One man. I will go with a guy that we have talked to and who was going to come to the camp this past weekend, but apparently something came up because we were wanting to chop it up a little bit. I'm going to go Justin Medlock. I I don't think that's any shocker there. Yeah, I know. I like <laughs> I, the other guy that I've kind of been friend John, and I went and saw him a while back at a seven on seven tournament in Houston is Austin Jordan mm-hmm. out of Denton Ryan. So I, Brandon, if you want to touch on Medlock, I'll just talk about Austin Jordan real quick. Yeah, go for it. I'll I, Medlock. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll, so AJ is a very to himself kind of guy. And I'm not going to lie. I'm very proud of the fact that the two of us have struck up a, a good bond because he doesn't really like to talk to anybody. And we had a pretty candid conversation at a seven on seven tournament a while back in Houston and basically kind of like laid it out to me like this. He's going to try and deal with Oklahoma, Ohio state and Texas. And I would put it right now in that order because I don't know how necessarily involved Texas is. Yeah. That's what I heard I this past week. Think, I also think that Ohio state is kind of looking at AJ right now as maybe more of a fringe guy, considering how their board plays out at the defensive back position. So as we kind of got to talking, it seems like Oklahoma is the one school that's really pressing for him. That being said, Ryan day is still constantly talking to, to AJ. The Ohio state staff is still constantly talking to AJ. And there was a while there where I was led to believe, especially in season last year, that the Buckeyes, if they hit the gas, would really take over the top spot. So it's tough for me to sit here and tell you that Austin Jordan is someone who could really be one of those dominoes that falls because I've just kind of seen that Ohio State cloud kind of lingering. So you have to let this thing play out. But at the same time, Billy Bowman has been contacting him a lot. The AU staff is after him heavily. Roy Manning is doing a great job. Alex Grinch is doing a great job. Lincoln Riley. So I think Austin Jordan's a fascinating one to follow moving forward. And I'm going to try and stop by Denton Ryan here relatively soon to catch up with him and my guy, Anthony Hill, a couple other dudes at Denton Ryan who Oklahoma's monitoring. So I think Austin Jordan is one to monitor as this recruiting process plays out, but just know yeah. that definitely great standing with him. Yeah, no, I, I heard similar this past weekend, just kind of, you know, just poking around mm-hmm. on, on some things um, about Austin uh, Jordan. Uh, for me, the, the Justin Medlock um, talked to his dad for about 20 minutes after the Under Armour camp. And we talked from rankings to how things go to all this stuff. And, uh, the, you know, something that stood out to me was what his dad told me. Uh, Jason uh, said, hey, you know, uh, Oklahoma's recruiting us really hard. We love Coach Odom. And what they said that stood out to me the most was, he goes, Jason Medlock, Justin's dad, said, 
Coach Odom develops NFL guys. You see it. You see what he's done at what he did at Missouri in the year that he was there. Mm-hmm. And then what he did with Kenneth Murray. And then he goes on to say, and he goes, it's not just those two. He goes, it's what he's done with a hand in the dirt defensive end, like David U. Wagboo to turn him into a potential all American and a guy that's going to leave after this year. He said, it's what he's done with Brian Osamoa, who seems to be headed towards one of the top four round picks in the NFL draft this coming year. It just, to them, it just means a lot because the, you know, Justin's probably six foot, but he's got a really long frame. It, it, when you see Justin in person, the first person, the first guy you're going to think of is Brian Osamoa because that's who he looks like is a high school Brian Osamoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the exact same body type. They move the same. They're fast as hell and can go sideline to sideline so fast. Both of them can. That's just, that's their game. So um, that to me stuck out or stood out because he was trying to compare his son to Brian Osamoa. And I think that worked out in Oklahoma's favor with him. Now, granted, um, LSU, Ohio State, um, I don't know how hard, similar to Austin Jordan, I don't know how hard they're pushing these guys or pushing Justin. I really don't. I don't know how hard they're pushing him. That said, Oklahoma likes him a lot. I think it's going to be a matter of, is he going to commit, number one? Number two, and how early is he going to commit? Because they already have Kobe McKenzie, one of the top players in the country, and one of the top inside linebackers in the country committed to them out of um, Lubbock Cooper. And they're in on Jalen Sneed. They're in on Xavier Simmons. And they're in on... Um, Harris. Uh, Ish Harris, they're in on Kip Lewis, and they're also surprisingly in on the top linebacker in the country that just totally escaped my mind my mind out of Virginia. I just wrote about him last week. Um, yeah, Sean Murphy. And I got to tell you, Brian Odom is kicking some ass on the recruiting trail right now. The guys that he's in on can all be future all-conference NFL guys. Literally, and a, another I mean, standout. Put Martrell Harris in that. Right, and 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 you got to look at this. The standouts at the UA camp. Ish Harris was a standout. Kip Lewis was a standout. Yep. Yep. Uh, I thought Justin Medlock looked pretty good. I thought, you know, just everybody that he's in on as far as 2022 and 2023 looked good, and Oklahoma's in good standing with a lot of really good linebackers in th- those two classes. So. Brian, Brian Osamo has found, found his groove on the recruiting trail and he's starting to get that thing going. Now it's just a matter of, of those guys, which two are going to commit to him, you know, cause they've got two more spots. Uh, I think you have to take three cause you're going to lose, lose Caleb Kelly, probably Osamoa and you wake boo this year. And you're going to lose uh, the all time player and then games. Uh, what's his name? What's your boy's name? Mr. Walk on. Oh, Brian, oh, Brian Mead. Brian, Brian Mead. Mead. There you go. Meadster. Yes. <laughs> They're going to lose him. So that's a scholarly guy because I already gave him a scholarship last year. Um, That's four. So you got to at least take three, right? If you want to get it back because you're only getting Stutzman. Uh, and who else is coming in on the 2020 class? 2021 class. 
It's just Stutzman. They were the other, in terms the other, of linebackers. Yeah, it's yeah, just Stutzman. Stutzman. Yeah, so that's why I was sitting there like racking my brain. That's it. That's all they got. Obviously, they have Shane Witter coming. Um, you still have potentially Jamal Morris on board, but you've got to take two or three guys, at least three. And I think of the 2022 class for Oklahoma inside linebacker. You got to. Um, so any one of those three, they've already got Kobe McKenzie, which I think he's going to be a star. Um, just going to be a freaking superstar. Uh, they're, they're in good shape at the inside linebacker spot. Um, let's move to, do y'all want to do spring practice since we're talking football and then close out with basketball? Or do you want to do basketball and close out with spring football? Shoot, we might as well hit basketball since it's fresh. Okay. Can we go ahead and all admit that? And I, we all hate being the ref guy, right? We all hate being, oh, the ref this, the ref that. But I think it was a national consensus yesterday that OU got jobbed on so many different occasions during that game. It was awful. How many times can you elbow a dude in the face and it be a defensive foul? Like, is it just ironic that every time Suggs drove down the lane, somebody ended up with a bloody lip or bloody nose? It's ironic, right? Just, oh, they just, just so happens the same guy keeps hitting different players, three different players with bloody noses and bloody lips. Is that, and and let me tell you something, Timmy from South Park, I, I could not stand watching him play yesterday. He is amazing. He is a fantastic player. Yeah. But he parks his ass in the lane and they don't call three seconds ever. Ever on that guy. Oh, you loved him out of high school, man. I know. I know. He's a dog. He's so good. But I think it was just frustrating watching Suggs and Timmy just kind of get away with murder. And I went, I perused like a bunch of message boards last night just to see if I was crazy. Obviously, Charles Barkley went off on the officials during that game in the post game. He said, Oh, you got jobbed, you know, whatever. But even Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma State, like all their fans are like, dude, OU is getting screwed in this game. I've never I, I hate being the official guy because I think that's stupid. You you create your own luck with officials usually, right? Like, it's how you play the game. It's how you set yourself up. If you put yourself in a position to allow the officials to make a big play in the game and cause a problem, you've done that because you're not doing what you need to do to separate yourself from your opponent, right? Yeah. Okay. So- I mean, I don't know how much more you want to get into it, but like I look at this as okay, Austin Reeves has 27 points and then the next highest score is yeah. 15. Like yeah, it was it was whatever it was in foul trouble. And that's the other thing too, is like if you're Brady Manic and you only score score three points. He was awful yesterday. If you're Mo Gibson and you score six points in 21 minutes. If you're Kirk Queth, you only have two points in 27 minutes, even though he was dominant on the defensive yes, side. Yes, he was. I mean, like, I don't know, but someone's got to step it up, man. I mean, Harkless is normally that guy that you can rely on. And obviously Harmon is out, so you can't really knock him too much. But at the same time, like Harkless only has seven points in 37 minutes. Played. Yeah, he was, he did not shoot well at all yesterday. So, I mean, like, I am I going to sit here and tell you that, I don't know, am I frustrated with the, the refs? Yeah, to a degree. 
But I'm also sitting here looking at this like, okay, you went up against a team that you know full well probably has four NBA players on the right. And I mean, Austin Reeves was really the one guy that showed up on the offensive side of the floor. I mean, like I've said it in the past, like Oklahoma's offensive efficiency is what was going to do them in the tournament. If it wasn't there, then okay, it's over. And guess what? You ran into the top overall seed <laughs> with a bunch of dudes and you decided not to, to go out there and score. So like, right. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not really upset about it from an analyst perspective because I see it what it is at face value. You have one team that was just clearly better than the other. And while one team was definitely getting the tough end of some calls, end of the day, you got to put the ball through the hoop. And it just doesn't wasn't really the case there. And I want to preface this with real quick, Parker, before you go into it real quick, I want to preface this with, look, you came into this game knowing you're playing the number one seed overall, right? They're going to get calls. And that probably was my biggest pet peeve about the game yesterday was that Oklahoma would drive into the lane and they would be looking over the ref like, why aren't you calling this? Don't just play, play, just play. I think that was the biggest problem offensively for them yesterday than anything else. They were looking over for calls. You're not going to get him against Gonzaga. I'm sorry. And Brandon, here's the thing. We're bad, but yeah, you're not going to get them at all. Number one seed overall. Go ahead. You know, you know what Austin Reeves has a quality that Austin Reeves has that nobody else on the team seems to have at this competitive desire. Well, that dude does not get down on himself. Right. Like It does not matter the situation. Austin Reeves, you know, if he gets the opportunity, he's coming down the line, going for the and one, or he's not afraid to step back and jack up a three if he's feeling himself. But Austin Reeves, regardless of the game situation, that dude is going to approach it with the exact same mentality. And listen, when you come out and you face off with a team that has been number one literally all year, And you know that from a physical standpoint, you are overmatched. You know, from a talent standpoint, you're probably overmatched. What you have to do in that situation is exactly what Oklahoma did for the first 10 minutes of that game. And then never again thereafter, they came out, they shot the ball aggressively. Brady Manick, five seconds into the game, pull up, pulled up, hit a three. Emoji Gibson popped a couple of early ones right off the bat there. And the Sooners looked like that they were, they they didn't look afraid. They looked like they were ready to come out, punch Gonzaga in the mouth, get them down, and then see what happens when you cause a team that hasn't faced adversity all year to finally face some adversity. But then lo and behold, late first half and the second half rolls around Brandon and Oklahoma's passing up open shots. You're seeing Alondis Williams absolutely like will not take a shot from beyond the three point arc. He'll take two it. steps inside the line and pull up from 20 feet. Manic passed up a whole bunch of good shots that he reasonably should have taken. It was the same thing with guys like Jane Hill, for instance. Uh, and Reeves was really the one guy that it seemed like when the ball was in his hands, he wanted to be the one to go score. And nobody else seemed to have that mentality over the final 30 minutes of that game. When the ball was in anybody but Austin Reeves' hands. That particular individual, whoever it was, did not seem to have the desire to be the guy to shoot the ball, to put the ball in the hoop. And that's why you saw Austin Reeves go off for 27 and nobody else made a significant contribution in terms of scoring. That's why Brady Manick didn't score over the final 39 minutes and 50 seconds of clock time. Alondis Williams was... (laughs) It's just like... 
why, why are you on the floor? If you're not going to take the shots, the wide open shots that you're presented with. And I get that they were shorthanded. I get that they were, I get that they were dealing with the absence of Davion Harmon, but still in that situation, when you were down a starting guard, you have to play aggressively. When you are going up against the number one team in the nation, you have to play aggressively. And the Sooners did not play aggressively for the vast majority of that game. And it started for me with passing up shots that as a division one power five basketball player, you should not only be able to take, but be willing to take. No, uh, you made several really good points. Um, Alondis Williams drove. I, we, we were texting about this, how he was like, he decided he wanted to dunk instead of taking an open shot. Um, which cost Oklahoma two points, which cost them, you know, that that was momentum. That was a momentum. That was a ton of momentum. They at were the end already of the first all, Yes, they were already on Oklahoma's making that surge back. You don't know how much that two points could mean in that instance. And uh, it, it was just rough. I, I, I will say this. We're talking about being aggressive and taking shots and clutch. And unfortunately, the other guy that does that for Oklahoma had COVID. Honestly, I mean that's that's facts. The other guy, yep. the other guy that makes those shots for Oklahoma wasn't on the floor. And had he been on the floor, I don't know that that game's not a nail biter at the end of the game because I think Harmon, along with Reeves, would have been a big problem, especially the way that. He can shoot the three, number one. Number two, the way that he can drive. He's one of the best drivers of the ball in all of college basketball. And the way Reeves was driving, can you imagine what Harmon might have done to that defense? They they didn't have an answer for, for Reeves, no matter who they put on him. Who, how do you think they were going to do with Harmon, another guy that plays the exact same way? Well, there's another thing, Brandon, like I'll, I just want to jump in with one more thing here, but, um, you know, you guys know, I love Elijah Harkless. Like, I think that dude contributed more to the team in an overall capacity this year than just about anybody save for Reeves. However, am I the only one that feels like Harkless actually has a whole lot more scoring prowess than we're seeing? Like, it feels like when that dude wants to pull up and hit a shot, he hits it. He and gets so out of like control sometimes so he does get out of control and that's like his game is he's very much like a loose cannon on the offensive mm-hmm. end at times but when that dude has a ball in his hands i mean he can be a scoring machine every now and again and so that's another example of the kind of thing that i want to see from this oklahoma team when they hit the court next year is hey Reeves can't be the only one that wants the ball in his hand like somebody else go make it happen is reeves going to come back though well, and that's the question. No, because I mean, we know we know Queth is out the door. I think we can safely assume that Alondis Williams and Brady Manick will be back. I can't imagine any reason otherwise. I can't like save for hitting the transfer portal, like which I've heard Manick could do that. Um, I also, but I mean, he also interesting. Yeah. Uh, it is because of the extra year. It's going to be quite interesting. I mean, look, North Carolina's dude's already, uh, what's his name's already out in the portal. Kessler, uh, Walker Kessler. Kessler. I think Oklahoma needs to go to him really, really bad. I would. Um, not just that, but look, Manic did his senior day already as well. So did Austin Reeves, I believe. 
So they have that. I mean, do you do two senior days or you just not have senior day next year? I mean, how do you, how do you do that? Do you, I, I don't know how you would go about <laughs> this. is going to be really weird. I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if I'm Austin Reeves, like, what do y'all think? Like, do you come back or do you try to see what your draft stock's going to be? Maybe go overseas and make a hundred thousand dollars, $200,000 a year, or do you come back get your three point shot down a little bit, get this team added on with Cortez and CJ Nolan. And who there's somebody else that was on the bench this year that who was it that didn't play? Ogaro. Yeah. Ogaro. Get those guys and see how things can be put together because you know, if Harkless can every year, Oklahoma is so good and, and Kruger and his group is so good of developing guys game year to year like you see big changes in how they play right i mean you've seen it with reeves you've seen it with Harmon already year one to year two do you see do if they come back again is there that big a drastic change to where oklahoma can be one of the top two or three teams in the big 12 and a team that could be a sweet 16 elite eight final 14 next year i just don't know what else Austin Reeves can become at the collegiate level. I think this can get better. I I mean, like knowing what he was the season before Mm -hmm. a guy who just jacked up shots left and right. And at times I was sitting there watching like, what is this guy doing on the floor right now to this? Like what can be his next step? What is his ceiling as a basketball player? I think we've kind of realized him, see his full potential. And while do I think he's a very good basketball player and do I think he's well suited for the collegiate level? Absolutely. Do I think that if he has an opportunity to make a good amount of money and either let's say the second round of the NBA draft or somewhere overseas for a while, should he capitalize on that opportunity? I mean, it's hard to say because I just don't know the end of it all. Well, I think Austin Reeves is a great collegiate basketball player. What how more, much higher he's draft, right? What more can he become as a potential pro? And that's the hard question to answer. So I'm not going to fault him either way, but I, if I were in his shoes, in all honesty, if I have an opportunity to go make, I don't know, like $150,000 somewhere and then help my family out, like it's hard for me to say no to that opportunity. So it's something for him to figure out. But again, I just don't know what else we can see from Austin Reeves that will further his potential as an NBA draft prospect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's to me, I, I think if you have this team coming back, cause at its core, it looks like he could be really, really damn good next year. <laughs> I mean, really, really damn good next year. Yeah. So if, if that's your passion and you want to come back and be like, man, I can get my masters and I can potentially play in a final four on one of the best teams in the country. Why wouldn't you come back? Because they have that ability If Harkless can, if he can harness that energy into being productive offensively, he's going to be a problem a big problem for everybody. And I, I think Mo, uh, Umoja Gibson's got to, he's got to figure out another aspect of his game. It's got to be other than just pulling up for threes. He's got to learn how to drive and shoot. 
That's got to be something. I know he's not very tall, but he's got to figure that out at some point. Um, since we've covered basketball, we'll move on to football real quick and close it out. Spring football started yesterday. We got to talk to Alex Grinch, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, and Delarian Turner-Yell, aptly known as Treble, uh, the defensive back for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, things that we're hearing, things that you all have heard, all of that stuff. Um, for me, I guess yesterday that stood out the most was Alex Green seems really high on not just Cradell, things that we've talked about on the board already. I put these notes up already for weeks about Cradell, about Jaden Davis, about, you know, Justin Harrington, about uh, Jordan Mukes, um, the play of, um, oh, I'm trying to think of some other guys they talked about yesterday. Billy, talk- Bowman. Billy Bowman was one he talked about. I put up notes on him on how well he's doing. Latrell McCutcheon, he's been, he started out kind of slow during spring, but he's, you know, taken off since then. And I guess had a really good first day. Ethan Downs is another guy that everybody seemed to talk about. And Clayton Smith, all the guys that we've talked about on OU Insider, they came out yesterday and like, man, these guys are going to be really good. (laughs) And so um, Oklahoma's doing is about as good as you can possibly do as far as with this 2021 class and them showing up. Obviously um, I talked to some people last night and, the word I got on Caleb Williams, because I know people are going to ask about how he looked comfortable was the word that was told to me. He was comfortable. Uh, he, it was like he had been in the system for a while and really just understood everything. Uh, and you got to give it up to the kid for putting his face, even though he's taken high school and college courses right now, taking the time to put his face into the, playbook and into the film room and the film session. I know that he's worked with Ty Darrington and a bunch of other guys really, really hard um, this off season. So that's big uh, for Oklahoma. Is he going to compete with Spencer Rattler to be the starter? I'm not going to say one way or the other. Um, I know that he's coming in with a mindset to compete for the starting job. Uh, that's left to be said. I do think Oklahoma has the best one-two punch at quarterback that they've had since uh, Baker and Kyler. And although that's even questionable. Um, having said that. So funny that you only have to go back four uh, years right, to right. find a comparable do it. Like literally at any other school in the country, Brandon, how much further back do you have to go to find two quarterbacks in the same room at any given time that were that talented? A while, a long while, decades usually. <laughs> Oklahoma is like, yeah, three years. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, we had Kyle, you know, those guys, you know, those guys back there. And then they ended up with Jalen Hurts after that. Not not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, three NFL starting quarterbacks. <clears throat> Soon to be probably four after Spencer gets in there. Um, having said that, what stood out to you guys or has stood out throughout this whole offseason? And what are you looking most forward to uh, whispering? I, I'm very excited about a guy that we've talked about recently, actually in a one Jalen Redman, who I'm sure we could talk about for like 30 minutes. I mean, the guy has been shredded up. He's taking care of himself. He's still kind of getting back into things, but I know Isaiah Thomas talked about him whenever he took to the podium. And so, Hey man, like Jalen Redman is back and he's going to be a really good football player. It's just a matter of getting him back into the ebbs and flows of the system. And so, 
I'm excited about what Redmond can bring to the table. I know, Brent, you'll want to touch on him. So I'll talk about, I mean, the two incoming guys. I've heard some interesting stuff about Kutch and Billy Bowman and Nathan Rollins, Kai Bond, just still kind of getting his feet underneath him, but that was to be expected for sure. Bowman, though, is a guy who I'm really interested at that nickel spot because it's actually something we had talked about a while back when he and I were discussing what his future would look like. And he obviously was playing corner for Denton Ryan. Some people thought his ceiling was at safety. Other people wanted to see him a wide receiver. But that nickel position in Billy Bowman is very interesting because mm-hmm. while he's not the biggest or the strongest or the hardest hitting, he is a guy who could easily man that position and do it all like he normally does every time he takes the football field. So I'm excited to see some of those younger guys step up and learn the game as they continue to fit into the system. You know who I'm excited to watch further develop is Marvin Mims. And I don't know how obvious of a pick that is, but I feel like he's a guy that we've neglected to talk about in great detail over the last few months. But I mean, when you think about what he did last year, as a true freshman, really out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was expecting that he would have as significant a role in the offense as he did last season. But the fact that he was one of the most productive wideouts in the big 12 and easily the best freshman wideout in the country. And you hear all the stories that people will tell about his character, about his work ethic, about his intelligence and his drive to get better. But I'm just curious how much more is he going to grow year one to year two because we saw how good year one was how good can year two be if marvin mims's work ethic and his attitude and his demeanor not just in the football on the football field but in the weight room Mm. and on the practice field how much better is he going to be in year two than he was in year one and that to me that's a really compelling thought to think of what Marvin Mims could be as the clear cut number one guy in this passing attack. Now with Charleston Rambo out the door as the number one guy for Spencer Rattler, presumably in this passing attack, what kind of a ceiling could he have in 2021? That's a really exciting thought for me. No, that's a really good thought. It's kind of scary if you're opposing team of Oklahoma (laughs) defensive backs, like how much better can this, all conference guy be <laughs> that's kind of freaky, especially only him only being a freshman. Um, you know, he moved to the slot, man, talking Mims. He moved to the slot this, this year. That's where he's working at right now in the spring. So it's going to be, um, interesting to see how they man the wide receiver positions to me, because I've heard really good things about Trajan bridges. Um, obviously once again, you hear him and Hazelwood are the most talented guys on the at the wide receiver core. Um, you hear that uh, Mario Williams is just freakishly fast. He's causing problems in seven on seven. You hear that he's just <clears throat> doing things that other freshmen didn't do outside of Mims last year. And that's kind of they, they, they everybody kind of compares him to Mims. Uh, kind of a more athletic Mims, which is kind of weird to say because Mims is so freakishly athletic, but Mario Williams is so athletic that he hardly plays baseball. And when he does play baseball, he's considered a major league baseball draft guy. So um, it's the, he's, he's a different level, I guess is what I'm saying. And he's very, very fast. Um, the other guy that I, I think and I brought him up just a second ago was Ethan Downs. You know, I asked about him yesterday and the only reason why I asked about him is because every source that we talked to and Parker, you heard it. 
uh, when we were going to Louisiana, the conversation. Um, everybody talks about him getting a hundred snaps during the season. Freshmen usually don't get a hundred snaps, especially on the deal. It'll, it'll be more than a hundred snaps. I'm just going to put that out there. I yeah, really do think so. He's, he, everybody says he is going to be, and I will quote a very, very good source <clears throat> that I talked to last week. That guy is going to be a dude and he is going to be a dude early. And they went on to say that they think he's going to get a hundred snaps in Oklahoma. That's scary because he played inside last year at Weatherford out of necessity and was like called triple and quadruple teamed half the time, which is why they went undefeated because they didn't have enough people to block everybody else on their defense. But I'm telling you, the guy has one of the quickest first steps you'll see. We got to see it at the, during his sophomore year, when he went down there in San Antonio, his first step was stupid fast and he won the MVP, not knowing anything. He didn't know how to do anything. He didn't know his hands. He just, they said, hunt. And he went and got the pad basically sacked the quarterback. That's just what he did. And he went against some big time four and five star offensive linemen, destroyed them. And he did it again the year before Trey Zune at a, he destroyed Trey Zune at the OU camp. I mean, I felt bad for him during that day because Trey Zune as a four star was one of the top 150 players in the country. And Ethan Downs is just demolishing him at OU elite camp. Uh, Colin, you were there. You saw it. Yep. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> and so, uh, remember, you remember the coaches just kind of huddling up over there, and they were like, "Yeah, they're about to offer this dude." Time like, to pull him uh, to the office. Real yes, quick. it was real quick. Yep. Um, it was basically over at that point. I mean, you knew he's going to OU. He's he's a special talent. He's special. Um, and he he's from all accounts the hardest working guy out there. Always, they say he is just, and he's just an animal in the weight room. Like he loves it. He 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 does. They basically, what one source told me is that he's a guy that you tell the jump and he says how high, and he will try to go higher than what you ask him to do. So I mean that that's the type of kid that you kind of cheer for, and obviously being an Oklahoma kid, we love to see him do things that. I, it's just a bias that we have towards Oklahoma kids. We love seeing these unheralded, these unknown Oklahoma kids. Obviously, he was a top 100 player in the country, but still, I mean, he's from small town Oklahoma. You like to see those type of guys do well. Um, so I, I expect big things out of him. Um, he already looks good. He weighs 260 pounds. He's playing off the edge. Uh, he's going to be in that rotation along with Clayton Smith along with um, Marcus Stripling. Uh, they're just going to be really good off the edge this year. Really, really, really good. They're going to be good on the front seven period. Um, I'm also interested in what those those Tennessee guys are going to do, the transfers. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Key Lawrence, and um, I've heard a lot of good things about Wanye. I, Wanye is going to be a guy that, it's going to be he's going to have to get something settled before he can play. I'll put it to you like that. I can't really say much more than that, but yeah, he's going to have to get something settled uh, if he's going to be able to play this year. Um, and then obviously uh, Eric Gray, 
Uh, does he start, guys? Does he start over Kennedy Brooks? Or you think Kennedy Brooks starts? What's y'all's guess? I would. I wouldn't say Eric Gray starts. I would say he is a prominent factor in the rotation. Run the two back set out, and I'm not going to complain. That's Who has fun. more yards at the end of the year? Uh, Rushing yards, Kennedy Brooks. Receiving yards, Eric Gray by a long shot. That's what I'll say. Agreed. That's fair. It's hard to go against Kennedy Brooks, right? Because every time we go against him, he, he runs for a thousand yards. <laughs> I always say it and don't make me say it again. He makes eight yards look like four. He's gonna, he's gonna be all right. I'm excited to see him back on the field. Yeah. He's so boring to watch run, but yet he's so good. People I guess I forget a- that like he was one of the greatest statistical running backs, like almost of all time in Texas. Like he was ridiculous. And then he just came to Oklahoma and was like, yeah, it looks like I'm jogging out here. Uh, it's going to be more of the same this season. So get ready. Right. Well, um, we're going to get to talk to the offense on Wednesday when this, when this podcast comes out tomorrow, it'll be Wednesday. So we will have more next week on this podcast because we're going to have to, we're going to be able to start doing this more often. Uh, I'm actually taking my mic with me to Florida uh, when I do my travels to Florida here soon, I will be going to Florida. I will be going all over Florida. So you're going to get Gabe Dindy. Ooh, I didn't even touch on Amaria Boer. Ooh, man. OU Insider has all the information on Amaria Boer. I'm going to leave it at that five-star defensive end. I think OU fans will like what they hear. If they want to come, you can go Amaria Boer. Um, and you can, for $1, you can, for $1, really, you can get a whole month. And then it'll be nine ninety five afterwards. You can try it out, or you can cancel. It's really easy, actually, to cancel on two four seven. So um, try it out one dollar for the first month. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep coming back. If you do, we would love to have you. It's growing one of the fastest growing, if not one of the top two fastest growing sites on uh, the two four seven network. So uh, it's also thirty percent off right now for I think it's seventy five dollars. You can get a whole year. Uh, of OU Insider, which means you'll get all football season and all the way through both signing days. Can't beat that. All the way up to next spring. So you, there's also that. Um, guys, thanks for doing this. Uh, we finally got a podcast up. Uh, everybody got sick. We've been traveling. It's been rough, but we're back on board, guys. So it'll be fun. You guys have some travels coming up as well. Um, I'll be Florida, D.C., California, Arizona, St. Louis will be mine. And then obviously Dallas as well. Where are you headed, Parker? You're going. Yeah. So uh, next week I'll be headed back up uh, to Nebraska for the underclassmen showcase up there. I think I'm going to dip into Iowa to chat with Caden Proctor, 2023 five-star offensive lineman or five-star to be rather whom Oklahoma just offered. And uh, I never did get to chime in on who I believe will be the next commit for Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. But I tell you what, OU Insider VIPs probably know who I am who I would go with there, and I'll be up to see him in the next oh, week yeah, or so. There you go. I didn't even think about that. I didn't say who I thought either. I'm going to go... I'm probably going to go with Colin to say Justin Bebop. Um, anyways, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Colin, um, you have anything else? You have, what else do you got going on? Yeah, so this week I'll be out at the Battle 7-on-7 in Dallas. I'll be at the U.S. National Combine in Dallas. I'll also be at the 
Trench Warfare Showcase in Dallas. So three events this weekend. I'll be back down in Houston here pretty soon, hosting another offensive and defensive line camp in Dallas again. And then I'll be heading up to Arkansas here relatively soon if all things work out in the next few weeks. So it is what it is, man. We're bouncing around, living out of the car. It's been fun. It's been fun. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. I'm Brennan Drum. That's Colin Kennedy, Parker Thune. Thank you all so much for listening. You all have a blessed day. Make sure you sign up for VIP. Lots of spring information coming on, guys. Have a good day. Thank you.